Hello and welcome to another edition of the Canadian Premier League Newsroom. I'm Christian Jack alongside Mitchell Tierney as we recap week four of what a fantastic week it was. Headlined by two season openers in the wonderful cities of Halifax and Calgary. Jam-packed stadiums pushing their clubs to two goal victories. On today's show, Christian and myself and Mitchell, uh, we will welcome Tommy Wilden Jr. following Calgary's first victory of the season. Highlight a new budding star fullback in the Canadian Premier League and talk about a dramatic Friday night under the lights at York United. Two players in particular caught my eye for different reasons, and we'll get to that later. Um, results this week, Cavalry 2 Pacific nil Goals from Ali Moussi and Joe Mason in the first half, enough to give the Cavs their first victory of 2022. Halifax Wanderers opened their home opener with a 3-1 victory over FC Edmonton. Goals from Corey Bent, Sam Salter, and Akeem Garcia um, were enough to come back from a Julian Ulbricht penalty. Uh, York United 2, Atletico Ottawa 2, Azazi de Rosario made it 3 from 3, and Dom Zatora in the 95th minute were enough to get the points uh, level with Ottawa after Brian Wright and Balu Tabla also scored for the visitors. Uh, a reminder, Valor Forge was postponed due to COVID protocols and FC Edmonton nil, Pacific nil from midweek on Wednesday. Mitchell, great to see you, my man. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the team. We're not going to make you sing or anything. Uh, <laughs> just ask you your open, open, overall thoughts and your overriding memories from a fantastic week four. Well, yeah, just joined the team and we're switching wings already here on the, the broadcast <laughs> I saw. So, um, yeah, hopefully I can I can bring some flexibility, but a great weekend. I mean, um, it, it really started with the, the, the match in Ontario, Atletico Ottawa against York and just built from there a great um, like you said, some great home openers for both uh, HFX and, of course, Calvary as well, just capping off the, the weekend in, you know, a very much a emotional state. Yeah, let's start with Cavalry against Pacific. Uh, Cavalry 2, Pacific nil. It was built much like the rematch redemption from the November semifinal, uh, mm -hmm. which, of course, Pacific narrowly won by two goals to one. In the end, I think it was more like the November league game at the end of last season. Uh, and in the end, that was the 1-0 goal from Joe Mason. Uh, but a fantastic opening start to this game. We obviously had goals very early in the game. Ali Moussi got the opening goal uh, for Cavalry that was enough to put them one ahead. Again, ironically, on that side where the ball almost went out, mm -hmm. uh, which something happened in the semi-final, uh, Moussi made, made it 1-0. A great start for them and a great start, as I said, for the jam-packed uh, stands there uh, at Cofield in, in Calgary, Alberta. You can see there the ball just almost went out. Escalante kept it in. Mason again heavily involved. Escalante had a tremendous game. And Moosey continued his fantastic season. And then this one will be one that Pacific will definitely want back, playing out from the back. A key giveaway involved here. And in the end, you don't not, you do not want to give Joe Mason the opportunity here to score the goal. And he does. It's a brilliant strike. And you can see what it meant to them. 2-0 Cavalry, and that was enough. But Mitchell, you are watching this game. You are a correspondent on this game. And in the end, that was ultimately the decider. Pacific have got a lot of attacking prowess, but being 2-0 down in the first half was always going to be too much of a mountain to climb. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought um, as far as defensive teams, this is the best we've seen someone play against uh, Cavalry or rather Pacific so far this year. I mean, obviously they got uh, they got shut out in Edmonton earlier in the week as well, but they had chances in that match. And this one, they really only had the one. Obviously, we're seeing right now a brilliant save for Marco Carducci, our man of the match. But I, I thought uh, I thought that Cavalry did a fantastic job of of really shutting down all the key players and a couple of guys who who um, were, were highlighted after the match by Tommy Wilden Jr. One was David Norman Jr., um, who, you know, is still learning that defensive position, evidently. He 
he plays or he, he more played as a midfielder for, for Pacific, but obviously familiar with, with Bustos and he did a stellar job against him, you know, gave him a couple of, of tough kicks at points during the match. And, um, that, but that's part of the game. You know, you have to get the, the opposing attackers off their, off their game as much as possible. And I thought he did a fantastic job of that. Yeah. yeah I agree with you. It's a great point about Norman. He was very close to making the team of the week this week. We're going to get Tommy Wilden on the show very shortly. I want to ask him all about his tactical versatility that he continues to show and everything like that. Um, but we have to start with Marco Carducci. You mentioned it. He was your man of the match. He was clearly the best player. That's a fantastic save. Uh, but this is bigger. This is bigger than football. This is bigger than sports. Um, those of you who aren't aware, obviously Marco was diagnosed with testicular cancer um, in the offseason. Uh, a very scary time for him and his family. Remarkably has been involved in the match day squad of every game so far. Came back uh, like a trooper, the only way that you know. Anybody who knows Marco will know what a positive influence and what a wonderful young man he is. Uh, so had to sit out the first three games just as he got his match fitness ready. And Julian Roloff, the Germany, German goalkeeper, did a very good job. But this was their time to shine at home, their first home game. Marco Ducci was given the gloves back, given his net back, gets a clean sheet, and of course produces one of the saves of the season there, as you alluded to on Marco, uh, on Marco Bustos. Uh, before we get Tommy Wilden Jr. on and talking a little bit more about Marco Garducci, uh, let's go back to Calgary after the game. Here are your thoughts of the goalkeeper. Number one, Marco Garducci. Yeah, uh, lots lots of emotions. Um, you know, looking back to the beginning of the game, even just to just warm up and kind of getting myself into the game, it, for one, it felt amazing to be back home uh, in front of the incredible supporters we have. And uh, yeah, I mean, I went into the game with the mindset that I love doing this. This is an opportunity that, you know, every kid who plays soccer wants to have. And um, obviously after the last couple of months, some some roadblocks in the way and to be able to come back and do it, it, it felt amazing. As the game went on, it, it was about just doing what I know how to do. And to be honest with you, Moses, at the end of the game, um, with like a couple minutes left, I started to feel a little more emotional than I thought. And it was uh, it, it was incredible just to have the guys around me fighting just just to hold on and, and you know, not only win the game, but, but come away with a clean sheet. It was uh, a special feeling. So uh, hard to put into words other than that. I think he did a pretty good job of putting it into words. We can't thank Marco enough for being quite honest and, and vulnerable again in, in that press conference. Mitchell, you were in it. You were in the press conference. You spoke to Marco, but that's what Marco is. No, just a real guy, just a genuine, authentic human being. Uh, and you could see as, as he shared his emotions with us, what it meant. Yeah, an incredible human being was was something that Tommy Wilden Jr. repeated after the end of almost every answer he gave about Marco. And obviously, both of them very, very emotional. You know, Tommy Wilden mentioning the fact that they got to see him on the day-to-day -day and saw just how much that was difficult for him, obviously, during this process and, and his recovery. And um, yeah, just how much it meant to all of them, um, how, how emotional it was and how special it was just to see him on the field. I, I mean, let alone the way he performed in that match and, and to come out like that was, was incredible. And, you know, for me, the moment of the weekend for, for the league. Yeah. On, on, no doubt about it. Some marvelous images, go check them out on social media as well as you could see what his teammates, uh, felt like after the game and how, how proud they were of Marco and just that, that togetherness. And as Tommy put it after the game perfectly, it's some things are just way bigger than football and way bigger than sports. Um, but they do get the victory too. No, let's bring in the man himself. Tommy Wilden Jr. is kind enough to join us on the day after the game, uh, live here on the Canadian Premier League newsroom. Tommy, Christian and Mitchell, uh, great to see you. Congratulations on the three points, my man. Um, and again, we just want to start with Marco. I'm sure 
Uh, as you headed the pillow last night, you were delighted about three points, but that was overriding emotion, I'm sure, was more important, just seeing that recovery and, and, and fantastic to see how quickly he's got back on the pitch. Oh, amazing. Uh, what an amazing uh, day all round from the atmosphere to the fans, to to the performance of the players, to, to the result. And, and most importantly, Marco, I mean, that's... You know, that's bigger than any championship because that's the the, the game of life we're all involved in and, and he's come through it uh, victorious and, and to go back to doing what he loves doing just give us all that that reality check to be honest yeah you guys wasted absolutely no time you know getting after it in that match uh, i think it was 75 <laughs> seconds into the game you guys are already up one obviously uh maybe poetic fashion with escalante keeping the the ball in there at the at the end line how you know how important was that to get that that start right away, and and then obviously from from there you guys went on and, and had a tremendous performance. I think we exercised some demons there, didn't we? Uh, you know, playing to the whistle, uh, hunting it down to the line, and just you know that was that was what knocked us out in the playoffs. And and I think you know football does allow you those opportunities to go again, to have another opportunity, and and we saw it as a way to get after them. You know, they had a tough game in Edmonton and. Edmonton have shown that it's a tough place to go to Clark Stadium. And um, we went there and watched and thought, hmm, OK, let's let's get after them early. Because we also knew, having been to Forge in Ottawa for their home openers, we knew the fans are so excited to see your team coming home. And we knew ours is no different. And we, like I said in my post-match, that I'm biased, but I do think we have the best set of fans in the league from end to end, side to side. It's just... Um, it's 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 brilliant, KJ. You've been there. You, you you know what I'm talking about. It's it's goosebump stuff. So we said if we have a really fast start, um, we'll make it uncomfortable for them because we knew that they would have some good possession of the ball. But we also knew we could cut them open, and, and we did. And uh, yeah, it was uh, the guys did a great job of sticking to the game plan. Tommy, I was going to ask you something else, but let me you just pick on something you just said there. You went to Edmonton midweek. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. yeah. I want to ask you about that because. I think this is fascinating for me. This is something in, in Europe you find all the time. Managers going to games because of how close the proximity are. Obviously, you can't do that over here a lot. Games played at the same time. The, the size of the country is massive. But now, I guess this year, with the schedule being the way it is, it does give you an opportunity a little bit to go and do that kind of stuff. How big is that for you to go and, and watch a game like that live? And also, Edmonton, you're going to be playing in the CanChamp game next week as well. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, it was important because it just happened to be that they are our next two opponents. And given the start that we'd had, we thought any marginal gain we could get by just seeing things with live eyes. I mean, you know, you guys do a great job of, of covering the games. You know, we've got these speedo footage that gives us the tactical cam. We've got everything at our fingertips now that, say, when my dad was coaching in the leagues 20 years ago, he he wouldn't have had. So I've got access to more things and data reports and all that. But your live eyes will never tell lies in my opinion you, you, you'll be able to see how the games unfold your little little nuances of things away from the ball is what I like to see you know is there a weakness of fragility in them you know is there some body language you can pick up on and you know, we got those cues and uh, it allowed us to you know pick some certain parts of our pressing and, and new tendencies that would happen and and like I said it, you know it, it worked out for us a couple of times and I think it could have been a bit more but that's what we keep building on. But uh, yeah, look, we, we had the opportunity. It's funny, in two bubbles, we weren't allowed to go and watch the other teams, even though we we're in the same bubble. So it's taken until the fourth season for us to actually be able to do it. Yeah, Tommy, both of the goals in, in the match come off great work from your your wide players. Obviously, as we mentioned, mm -hmm. Escalante keeping the ball in there. And then I want to ask you about Jean-Anil Assi, who I thought 
had a pretty tremendous performance going up against a, a veteran fullback in Nathan Mavila. Um, what were your thoughts on him and obviously nicking the ball there for, for the second goal? Yeah, I think sometimes uh, we all forget Jean Agnel is only 17. I mean, that's what this uh, league's great for. You know, he is with CF Montreal, but um, they trust in us uh, like like they have done with Karifa Yao to give them that live game experience. And I think for him, you know, it was one of the bigger crowds he played in. But yeah, he's got so much raw ability. Um, and we think he's he's got a, a ton of upside to bring. But we'd ask him a couple of things because we know Nathan Mavilla is a very good, you know, one of the best 1v1 fullbacks in this league. Um, and we knew one or two things. One, we could probably steal a moment. We said, look, if you get after him 10 times and he beats you nine, it only takes that one for you to win for it to decide the game. So we were trying to encourage that. Um, we also knew that we wanted to keep Nathan's hands full so he didn't overlap. And uh, and I think we did that. You know, both Jose and uh, Jean Agnel did a great job of leaving Bustos and Josh Hurd isolated. We said if we can pin those fullbacks, then it would take Manny Aparicio out of the middle and the forward runs, which he's very good at, and start doing sideways runs. And the further he goes away from the goal, the better it was for us. It's fascinating. It does answer a couple of the questions that, about tactically you wanted. A lot of people were talking about this game, Tommy, about redemption from the playoff game. But what actually people didn't talk about enough was how you stopped them last year in the regular season game at the very end, the 1-0 game that was very close, but Mason scored early. And again, last year, you drew 0-0 against them at home. I was at that game as well, when you played you know, you played a different kind of look as well to stop Bustos, and you played Yao a little bit wider. And you did that yesterday with Norman. What is it? Is Bustos the key man there, or... Or when you try and stop a team like that? Or is it just David Norman stepping up and, and taking on opportunities again that is a little bit outside of his comfort zone? Absolutely. Listen, this league is, is very balanced, but every team has two or three players that can hurt you. And the way you go about your business is how can you nullify their strength and expose their flaws? We go into every game the same, you know, no different that if we play Forge, you know, um, no different than how we tried to play York. And imagine that's exactly what Nashi did with us, knowing our strengths, right? Be it inside and out. That's tactics. And that's what makes this this league great. And, you know, you've seen that with Kochi's men with FC Edmonton. They're, they're going into that 5-4-1 deep block and saying, right, OK, we're going to surrender maybe territory. We'll surrender possession. And Ottawa do, do the same model and it makes it very, very tough to, to break teams down. But you've always got two or three players that can go after it. And we felt Davy Norman, you know, he knew Marco from his Whitecaps days. Um, and we knew that if we could, you know, stop the overloads per se, we fancy Davy one-on-one because <laughs> Davy's intense and uh, he's a wonderful footballer and a, a tough, tough character. And we knew that, you know, what wouldn't you want? Leon Apgood, you know, attacking plays, my assistant coach. And I remember, like, it would be me trying to mark him. If he was given time and space, we're the same age group, it'd destroy me. But if I suffocated him, so we joked about that through the week, and that's exactly how it uh, how it worked out for us this week. Yeah, obviously, uh, we've mentioned the schedule a few times on this show. You guys have mm -hmm. a, a bit of a tough one to start this year with uh, something you've keyed on a couple of times, only five home matches through the first 14. How important then was it to obviously have such an emotional start to to Atco Field and, and open the, the stadium in, in such a positive manner. Brilliant. Brilliant for everybody, you know, from from our, our ownership that have kind of stuck with this from, from day one and built it for us, you, you know, and, and given the given us the opportunity to to play the game we love and help grow the game in a great city like Calgary. Um, you know, they they've stuck with us, the fans have stuck with us. You know, I think we sold more season tickets than we have ever before. You know, for us it kind of feels like the successes we were building on in 2019 
2020 and 2021 paused that and then we've kind of resumed from where we would so it's been almost like this two-year hiatus and then we've we've built on so i think we're close to 2000 season tickets sold you know i think yesterday was you know 4200 i heard um so you know we're, we're getting over that two-thirds full and you know we want to make sure that we can fill that stadium because the more times we fill it our owners have promised that they'll expand it and that's it's that great sunken in fortress that we feel that it's like walking into a coliseum and when the foot soldiers get the smoke flares going and the fans start singing and the aluminium stands are banging it's it yeah it's a, it's it's a terrific venue to to be able to coach in yeah i just a banner weekend for me with the league seeing what you had in calgary yeah. and then over six thousand people in halifax on saturday yeah. and you know what i thought about watching the games too not just fans filling seats but educated fans that can lift teams in moments they need them that's yeah. what the Canadian, Canadian fans do. They're not just going there doing the wave or eating the chicken fingers. No. Do you know what I mean? They're actually finding a way to make a difference. And that you got both you and Halifax won. And it's no coincidence to me that you guys had that lift of that crowd. So a wonderful banner weekend for that and amazing in the Canadian Premier League. Tommy, I want to ask you about uh, Marco. We talked about the person, Marco, the goalkeeper. Uh, the save on Bustos. What do you think at that moment? We're going to play it if you want to talk it over it. But that is a marvelous sure. save. I think one of the best saves of the season so far. Yeah, I mean, that's just when you know things are going your way because I think we'd missed the clearance and missed the tackle. It was kind of bobbly, but big players make big, big plays. And and Marco is a big player for us. And you can see here, Marco Bustos, who's his mate, has cut in onto his favoured left foot and the goal at his mercy. And I mean, Marco Carducci's just put out his strong tiger-like mitts to just palm it away and... You can see now the first one that goes over to him after Davy Norm, I think, is, is is Mason Trafford. And the defenders have this kind of guardian-type mentality where whoever makes the clearance there, there's chest bumps, fist pumps. And even at the end of the game, Mason Trafford had sent me this video of of the hug and it literally had you know Dan Klomp, Kreefer, Mason, Davy Norman and Elliot Simmons, who were kind of like the guardians uh, along Marco Carducci. And it was a wonderful moment, but... That save itself, you know, I said we can talk about the strength he's done on of his character. Um, that goes without saying now, but his ability as a keeper, it's a reason we kept a clean sheet. You know, he does give us those big saves at the big times. And Edmonton next, evidently, for you guys. Um, a couple mm -hmm. of tricky matches of what you saw them on Wednesday, you know, while uh, while they're a young team and still figuring stuff out, they they do have that defensive resilience, and they they certainly showed that against Pacific. Um, how tricky are, are those matches going to be? Yeah, listen, and uh, and I think they've kind of got that chip on the shoulder, you know, approach to it, which kind of suits them, right? It's uh, it's the bad news bears, and 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 we watch them, and we're like, oh, actually, there's there's some there's some things here, you know. They've got a good forward line, and when they want to attack at you, they created just as many chances against Pacific as Pacific created on them. Um, and they're very tough to beat. You know, playing a flat back five is 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 tough to get around. So one thing we've got to be patient. Clark Stadium's not an easy place to go. I'd liken it to Tim Hortons Field, where it's just like one big wind tunnel going through. So we're going to have to be um, disciplined. We're going to have to, you know, use the confidence we got from our first home game. And we got them twice now. So it could go from, you know, where a lot of question marks were being asked to us to, you know, the opportunity now to to go on a really good run here um, and it starts with getting a, going for another three points against Edmonton and then uh, bringing them back to our place for the Can Champ game on Tuesday. Fantastic stuff, Tommy. Again, thanks so much for joining us the morning after the match. I know it was an action-packed day and an emotional one as well, but great character show by you guys. It's fantastic to see you finally get your win. Well-deserved well and uh, we'll chat with you again soon. Good luck.
Thanks for having us on. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. The great Tommy Wilden Jr. out in Calgary uh, as Cavalry defeat uh, Pacific by two goals to nil. That is Cavalry's side of the story. What about Pacific? Uh, they have back-to-back games where they don't score a goal away from home after a tremendous start with three wins out of three at home. Uh, here are the thoughts of James Merriman after this game, the Pacific FC boss. Yeah, we knew it would be a difficult game here and Cavalry wanted to get a result, obviously. Um, so, but we weren't ready. We, we, we weren't good enough from the start to the finish. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, it's not an excuse to be at home or on the road. Um, for me, we, we weren't good enough today. Is there anything that you can take out of this that you feel that there are some positives or some kind of result at the end of the day? Yeah, it's early, you know, we, we lost, we'll learn and we'll move forward. Uh, it's one game. So, um, yeah. Uh, thoughts from the boss there. Uh, go back to Calgary before we get the thoughts from our West Coast expert. Uh, here is Marco Bustos after this game. Yeah, and you know, uh, obviously we didn't start the game well. You know, first half wasn't great from us, but uh, we came out, tried to take it to them. Um, like you said, we had the most possession, but we didn't score. And at the end of the day, the teams that score win. So it's it's uh, it's hard to think too much right now. We'll go back and watch it. But uh, at the end of the day, we, we didn't take the chance that we had. And and that's that we could create more up front as well. So we'll just go back to the drawing board and, and uh, look towards the next week. There is James and um, Marco. Uh, let's bring on Alex Gange-Ruzik, who is our West Coast man. Uh, Alex, great to see you. And I know you are the man in charge of the game at Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton FC, Edmonton nil, uh, Pacific nil in midweek. Uh, back-to-back games now uh, where Pacific have gone away from home and not scored. Um, we'll roll ahead a highlight to Edmonton shortly, but I think they were better and created more in the game of Edmonton in Edmonton than they certainly did yesterday. Your thoughts on Pacific's difficult week? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I it's interesting enough to, to see after the first three games they had where they're dominant at home, they're scoring goals for fun. You think it's going to flow for them this year. And then you hit a bit of a wall. You, you know, they lose a bit of that clinical edge against Edmonton. Marco Bustos also got a breakaway similar to that one that, uh, that you rolled earlier while Tommy was chatting. You know, he, he doesn't miss those chances very often yet. Two big saves from from the pair of, uh, you know, Alberta keepers, you know, Carducci and that that clip and then you know, Viklan, the, the the one in this game, I think that that's kind of emblematic of Pacific for whatever reason on the road versus at home. They're a different team at home. They're clinical. They're fun. They're flowing. And I don't think they lose that spirit away from home. But for whatever reason, that that finishing kind of goes away. Uh, the, the, you know, we look at their record over the last year. They're so much better at home and finishing is a big part of the the equation that for whatever reason changes so I think it's a bit of a frustrating week for for them you, you take on both Alberta clubs uh they'll, they'll look at the overall balance of both games and suggest okay maybe they could have snuck a win out of one of the games maybe ended a, a, the, this two game stand with with four points but instead you end up with just one and uh, now there's more questions to be asked of are, are they going to be able to deliver on the road this year yeah it's interesting that you mentioned the the home versus road um, you know, dichotomy because that's something that James Merriman spoke at length during his, his press conference and the fact that this Pacific team really want to be the exact same on the road as they are at home. Obviously, that is difficult, as you mentioned, without the home fans and that sort of thing. But yeah, like you said, this really just didn't look like the Pacific side, especially against Calvary, that we've come to expect this season. 
Well, that's it. It's, it's, it's a question of, you know, stamping out that identity on the road. And it's hard. Like that's what top, top teams do. They, they find a way to go on the road and, and you know what you're going to expect from them. You know that they're going to come out. They're going to be dominant no matter who, which fans are playing, no matter what system, no matter what surface you're on. Cause all those things obviously change. Like I'm sure it didn't help from, you know, going from what you're used to at starlight to Clark, the little windier you're playing a resolute Edmonton team. You go up to Calgary, uh, you know, on the natural grass there, obviously Calgary very used to what they can do. Uh, on, on that surface that's the sort of things you, you have to adjust to and then for whatever reason with pacific the style they play the quick uh you know lots of movement it kind of suits the, the the narrow uh smaller pitch of, of starlight a little more than it does other venues and i think they're they're continuing to get used to it and it's something we saw last year they they figured it out at the right time obviously in the playoffs they went back to back on the road at, at the right time and I think that's going to be a quest for them to, to figure out if they're going to have success. Because I think if they're going to keep winning at home, it doesn't matter what you do on the road. In, in North America and playoff leagues, if you're dominant at home, you're always going to do well. But, uh, you know, the, for their sake, for, for wanting to finish top of the table, you're going to need to pick up road points somewhere. Uh, Alex, I know how much you love your tactics, so I think you can appreciate the next question. Last year, there was a game. Pacific went to Calgary. I just talked to Tommy Wilden about it last year, last, uh, in the last question, actually. I'd actually played all four their attackers in the same on the pitch at the same time. They didn't necessarily they played Bustos as a 10 a little bit. And Terran Campbell was part of that squad next. Obviously he's not there now. But is do you think away from home there's a chance that they can maybe sacrifice that midfield possession that they have in every game. They dominate possession in almost every game now. And maybe go with like a 4-2-3-1 or something where they take out one of the midfielders and play with Aparicio with like a single holder and bring on another attacking member, whether it's Daniels, have a real, and, 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 and have a, an attacking thrust. Is that something maybe a little bit too early that you would change? Or could, or could you maybe expect to see something like that in an away game going forward? I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see how, you know, James Merriman gets creative. It's funny you mentioned that. I thought in the, the Edmonton game, one thing I liked for, for the first time, we saw that the Cameron Habibula, Marco Bustos, Manny Aparicio, like triple tens tried and it was very fascinating because you know typically we see josh hurd he's very you know hug the touchline go at defenders last year in that left wing role we sometimes saw taron campbell this year we also saw mark uh sorry mateo polisi were more strikers in that that wide forward role for the first time was three number tens and i thought it really changed the, the kind of complexion of their attack because uh, one also and one thing we've seen with Pacific against low blocks, they hold a lot of possession, but they, they're kind of figuring out, OK, how are the patterns we beat them? Is it going to be quick passes? Is it going to be cross field switches? But I like the way when Habibula and Bustos cut in. And uh, I think it was a bit unfortunate that, uh, you know, Kunle Dataluk wasn't able to play in that Edmonton mm. game. They kind of had to go for more of a natural center back in, in Abdul Samak. They didn't have that same overlap threat. But I'm just kind of thinking like a Nathan Mavilla, you know, a Jordan Haynes on the left side. You got your Kunle Dataluk. Run or George Makumba was well down the right side, overlapping that that Bustos Habibula, you know, cutting inside. I think that could be a way to to, to go because I think with low blocks, the, the way you have to attack it, it's just you have to be patient. And you have to kind of create openings, and you know, it, it you have to get creative. Sometimes it's center mids taking deep runs, and maybe something like you know Matthew Baldissim will have to look, and he he might have to start doing some some more late runs, or or you maybe uh, I think something that I'm sure James Merriman thought of was putting in. Sean Young, as he did versus Edmonton, I thought he makes great, uh, you know, runs. I think for for him, it's figuring out how to be smarter with those runs, being smarter with the the end product. So I think there's certainly pieces there for for Pacific. They have to figure out, okay, how do you start to to beat down low blocks? Because as we're we're seeing in these games, that's also something that uh, that I'm sure Merriman's thinking long and hard about doing. 
yeah, the story of this Alberta trip for Pacific will certainly be the the lack of goals. But in this Calvary match, we also saw, you know, maybe the story of their defensive shape so far this season. And evidently they didn't have Thomas Mayer-Jaguer or Kunle Dataluk, as you mentioned. But two, you know, errors that they'll certainly want back um, in terms of, you know, just holding out of the ball for too long and, and getting dispossessed. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on their defensive performance? And I guess that kind of almost was the difference in the game um, was just those two mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a bit uncharacteristic from them in a sense. You look, uh, you know, just at the overall game, the the stats, I think, it, you know, reflected a very even game statistically. But when you give up two, you know, clear-cut chances to a team like Cavalry, you're going to pay, especially away from home. And I think that was uncharacteristic of Pacific because watching their other games, you know, for the most part, they hadn't done that. There was that, that bit of a sloppy game against Valor, and that was a game where, Interestingly enough, I think James Merriman was the most, you know, frustrated with just based on how sloppy his team with a uh, team was. Sorry, and I think this Calgary game was a, a bit of a return to that. It was, it was the kind of mistakes you can't make because you, you look at the stats. Of course, I'm always going to be a big boon of the the XG stat. 0.75 or 0.75 each it was, and then Pacific gives up two goals yet they don't score one. It's kind of indicative of when you give up sloppy mistakes sloppy chances to good teams that they'll always overperform your xg and i think because of that uh, pacific's gonna have to find a way to to, to be tighter in those situations because so far through the through the early days they don't give up many chances they don't give up much xg but sometimes as we've seen in games they like to give up sloppy set pieces or you know in this calgary game you know goals against a good team that you don't want to give up so i think that's also something that they'll, they'll want to tighten up on uh, especially away from home where teams will punish you they, they, they will ride the crowd they will get a mistake they'll hear the roar like i'm sure joe mason did and you just you ripped it and then that's the story of a game all of a sudden you're down to nothing away from home it's it's not easy coming back from that perfect stuff uh alex thanks a lot my man appreciate this uh great work and you as usual you can read alex's his stuff on onesoccer.ca as well of course as campl.ca uh thanks again alex uh from calgary and pacific calgary and pacific we go from calgary to edmonton and it's been a busy week for them uh before we get to edmonton's game in halifax on the weekend they did draw nil nil against pacific midweek and after that game here are the thoughts of their head coach here's alan Koch. We just went toe-to-toe with the champions who are undefeated um, and could have won the game. Uh, I think for who we are and where we've come from, that's a massive achievement. We're, we're not going to go out and go crazy and celebrate tonight. But for who we are and where we've come from, um, yeah, that is a little bit of a moral victory for us tonight to, to put in a performance like that and get a clean sheet against a good team. Uh, but also do a better job tonight of keeping the ball a little bit, possessing and trying to create opportunities. And, and that was something we spoke to the guys about after the game on Saturday at Forge. We, we didn't think we did a good job of managing the game uh, and taking care of the ball. Uh, and I think the guys responded in a very, very positive way. I thought we did not a perfect job, uh, but a much better job today of managing the ball and trying to break them down at times too. That was Wednesday in Edmonton after a game on Saturday in Hamilton. So from Hamilton to Edmonton, from Edmonton to Halifax, Nova Scotia, Mm -hmm. was the travel schedule for (laughs) FC Edmonton this week. And they went on Saturday uh, to uh, Halifax and their home open, as I said, over 6,000 people. In fact, before we bring Benedict in, let's roll the highlights of what was a dramatic game in Halifax as well as they went out and beat uh, FC Edmonton by three goals to one in this game. A game that I think was pretty entertaining and one of my favorites so far of the season, Mitch, I don't know what you thought about it. And again, uh, a really good start for Edmonton. Not sure whether that, never got a look whether that goal was, that, that, that penalty chance was actually offside. Um, but you can see as the ball gets played in, 
that Tabby brings brings the player down. And again, it all breaks with a penalty. I thought Vitar was fantastic in midfield for FC Edmonton to create that opening. And FC Edmonton take a 1-0 lead and shock the old fans of over 6,000 in this one. But Mitchell, they came back, Halifax well into it, got their fullbacks heavily involved. And in the end, we're able to come out by three goals to one. Uh, Corey Bent getting the winner, getting the goal there to start to make it 1-1. Initially given to Akeem Garcia, but it's clearly a goal. Uh, Tabby, obviously, with a fantastic cross. Clearly a goal by Corey Bent. And then in the second half, they power their way to three points with two goals as well, Mitch. Yeah, I thought the the substitution at halftime bringing in uh, Samuel Salter made a made a massive difference for them. Evidently, we see the goal here. Uh, a brilliant finish from him um, off, a, off a great header from... Uh, Zachary Fernandez, who who was also fantastic during this match. And uh, I think uh, you mentioned the fullbacks a little earlier for HFX. You know, a, a big story going into this one. You see um, kind of what what we get with young fullbacks sometimes, evidently giving away the penalty um, er, early on from from Tabby. And then um, here's here's Fernandez winning his, his penalty and obviously excited about that one. Um, but, you know, he was fouled four times. He was a, he was an absolute handful during this match. And and a young player that uh, certainly um, is exciting for Stephen Hart. Yeah, young players that win, you know, win penalties. We saw Kai Core win the penalty for Edmonton, and then right now, almost in the same position, Zachary Fernandez uh, winning the penalty for Halifax. Let's bring in Benedict Rhodes, our man in this game, our correspondent. Benny, great to see you again. And uh, I think great games just keep following you around, man. You're Mr. Entertainment right now for us. Another four-goal thriller. Uh, this was a fantastic game, and I think you did a great job, really, of highlighting uh, Fernandez, let's start with him, who's obviously comes from a great, you know, uh, in terms of his reference points of where he's played in the past that leads up to, obviously, with Blainville and everybody else, the fullbacks. But Zach Fernandez, a tremendous performance down the right-hand side for Halifax. Can we hear Benedict? don't know if we can hear him. Can you hear him, Mitchell? No. I cannot, no. We've got a little problem with Benedict's audio there. We'll bring him yeah. back on in a second. Um, Mr. Entertainment is a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a bit of a tough was, one. I gave him the big build-up, Mitch. You know, <laughs> the big, big build-up, and he wasn't able to come through, unfortunately. Uh, but Zach Fernandez uh, was tremendous in this game, Mitchell. I talked mm -hmm. about it off the top. Young fullbacks coming into this league. Um, he just, just comes in and delivers a performance like that. Key, obviously, winning the penalty, but his run to, to set up the Salter goal that you alluded to as well. Uh, and he's had a flying start to the season down the right-hand side for, for Stephen Hartsman. Yeah, he's a really, really tricky player and, and one of those guys who does a fantastic job of getting in front of his defender um, on that side. And obviously, we, we've seen it a couple of times this season where, you know, defenders have been very much forced to take him out because he's... He's such a threat down that wing. So uh, I think there's still work to be done as with most young fullbacks uh, on the defensive side of his game. And, and you know, he can be got at a little bit there. But offensively, I think this is a player that that's going to be a, a potential star in this league considering just what we've seen from him already. And that header, um, just the composure on that to to put it in a great spot for Salter was, was excellent. Yeah, excellent. Um, Stephen Hart, very complimentary of uh, that Fernandez after the game. Here is Stephen Hart with his thoughts on his fullbacks after a 3-1 victory uh, over FC Edmonton on Saturday. I think Fernandez was fantastic yeah. in the game. Fantastic defensively and in, in offense. He was fantastic. And uh, once once he learns to deliver that that final ball, maybe a little bit a little bit earlier or be a little more patient and pick out somebody in the box rather than just whip it across. Um, I, I think that boy has a big future. 
Um, but he has to keep fighting. He has to keep playing. He has to keep fighting. It's the same thing with Tabby. Tabby is a converted player to the left back position. So he's still learning the position. At times, he's a little bit uh, over enthusiastic. And it happens a lot with players that are very, very athletic. Eh? Sometimes they don't recognize that maybe positioning is better than having to, to chase. But he will learn. And again, he needs better uh, final ball delivery. Something in like the one that went across the goal and we couldn't get on the end of it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with them. You know, we, we know that they're going to make, uh, they're going to have errors. I mean, who doesn't? You know, but I'm pleased with them. Who wouldn't want to play for that guy, by the way? Stephen <laughs> Hart. Reads the game brilliantly. A fantastic mentor. Has patience. Understands what he wants to push it. Uh, will compliment you when you need to, even with Tabby. He's giving away two penalties now in his last two away games, but you know, understands why he's doing it, not just pulling him off and sitting on the bench. Anybody in any position in the world, if you if you want them to improve, just tell them why. No, don't just sit them anywhere, and then they don't know how to understand. Uh, talking of improvement, let's find out if Benedict's <laughs> mic has improved. Uh, Benny, you with us? Can you hear me now? Oh, I there can hear you go. now, mate. Uh, the there sweet sounds. Uh, thanks so much. <laughs> Um, we just talked about Fernandez at length there. So let overall your perform, your thoughts on Halifax's performance in general. Tough to go a goal down, over six thousand people in the stands, roaring them forward. But in the end, uh, were they were they justified for a comprehensive win? I think so. I think I think they were the better team. I think I think they controlled the game in midfield, especially. You mentioned Gabriel Batar was very good, but uh, I think that midfield trio of Rampersad, Gagnon, Lapareil, and Lamoth is is maybe one of the best midfield trios in this league. Uh, I said in my analysis. I, I think. Lamoth is is a very good player, and then he can pass the ball like like few others can in this league when he when he wants to. And that's the thing Hart said after the game as well was he he's sometimes maybe a little bit hesitant to to make that final pass or that final run or that final play, but when he does, he can be a very very good player in this league. And uh, yeah, he, he was fantastic, obviously on on the second goal the Halifax scored. He he was a big part of that with the pass. And uh, yeah, I think Halifax were justified to winning that game, and the fans of course played a big part in that. Yeah, I think the one of the stories, obviously, from, from this entire season for HFX will be the Joao Morelli injury. But in, in light of that, to come into their home opener and score three goals, they, it was something they only did one time last season in that 3-3 draw with York back in September. Um, how how important was that, obviously, to get those three goals and to you know ignite the offense a little bit at home? Yeah, not only scoring three goals, but who scored those goals as well, right? Like Akeem Garcia, of course, getting his first of the season. Sam Salter. He's a player who, who has had a lot of chances, but maybe hasn't always taken advantage of them. But saw a nice touch and a nice finish on the on the goal in this game. And and if they can get him going and get get Garcia going to levels he was going in 2020, uh, again that can be a very a very dangerous offense, even without John Morelli. And especially if they're able to replace Morelli and and bring in an international player, which Hart says they're working to do, uh, that that offense can can definitely be a bright spot if they can, can get all these guys going and keep them all fit and firing. Benedict, you've been around the game quite, you know, pretty much all your life, obviously being from the UK initially. Um, the reason why I bring that up is what's it like to cover a game here in the Canadian Premier League with that fan base? Because that was just, uh, I, I said it earlier to Tommy, for me, just a remarkable scene, an intelligent fan base that, got, that felt like they needed to rise Halifax up at key levels. What was your overall emotions and thoughts about that? Yeah, that was definitely important. I think even like you hear the booze coming down for Julian Olbricht when he when he started doing his celebrations in front of them and making make sure that he heard it. And I think they, they pushed their team. They made Edmonton uncomfortable at times, I think, as well, maybe. A young Edmonton team who probably hasn't played in front of a crowd like that yet. 
right. through the first five games. And um, yeah, definitely the end of the game as well. You heard that that roar of the fans and you tell how much that meant to them, how much it meant to that community, how much it meant to the players playing for that community, uh, especially some of the local guys like on that team as well. Like I think the fan base can make a huge difference, uh, especially when it's that that level and, and, and can play that such a big impact like that. Yeah, what lesson on on the Edmonton side of things can they take from this? Because obviously they do go up early, and you know it looks like they they might have some momentum going for them. And then you know after that, things certainly don't go their way the the rest of the match. Um, obviously, the travel is is a major factor in all of this, and and they were quick to mention that, which is fair enough. But uh, you know what lessons can Edmonton take out of this? Yeah, Gabriel Batar said it himself. He said he thinks they when they went up, they hadn't led before at any point in this season, and, and when that happened, maybe they maybe a little bit overexcited or or thought like okay we're winning now let's maybe take the foot off the gas pedal a little bit and and uh that didn't work <laughs> as you saw like immediately Halifax the fullbacks especially were on them right away and trying to make things happen and and they maybe invited a bit too much pressure and it kind of crumbled a little bit so I think uh if they can I don't think they have a bad mentality at all I think they, uh, Tommy said they have a chip on their shoulder this season but uh I think just learning how to manage these moments and how to manage the pressures that come with, with going up away from home early in a match like that. Like these things will take time. And as they get used to each other more as a, as a team, I think these things will come, but uh, yeah, definitely something to learn from, from a, a good start to the match. But as the game went on, they kind of fell back a bit. Yeah. Every credit, Batar, you mentioned him. I thought he was class at large parts, best Edmonton player for me so far this season. And I thought Timoteo played very well as well. A uh, very technical player, very good at two feet. Um, we will leave the last word on this game, though, to uh, Zach Fernandez. And I think, Benedict, you probably gave him out of the match for a reason. He was outstanding. I want to hear your thoughts on him finally. But uh, let's go back to the Wanderers grounds and hear post-match reaction from the fullback. Uh, yeah, I saw, uh, again, uh, the midfielder just be open and I, I start to run. Uh, that's, my, that's how I play and uh, just give it to Sam and Sam finish well. And uh, after the penalty... Uh, it was good. Uh, the same thing. Midfield turn open. I run and football is easy. So Fernandez obviously they're talking about the key moment in the game where he made the run from the moth pass uh, that led to to the penalty. Uh, Benny, give your thoughts on what you think is a very good young player in this league. Yeah, I like into my in my analysis to like a Mo Farsi or Dini Nabzi, someone who comes out of out of Quebec that that Blaineville team who just producing very good CPL players. I don't think he's quite that level of Mo Farsi yet, but you know, he has the speed, he has the, the ability on the ball and off the ball to, to get into good positions and, and make things happen. And uh, you know, players like that have, have done very well in this league. And I think he can he can go as far as some of those other guys have gone uh and, and be a real difference maker in this league for Halifax. And and the same with Habio on the other side as well. I thought he was good. Hmm. He 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 made a mistake on the penalty as he did in the last game against Pacific as well. But again, it's just a learning experience for for young fullback. He'll he'll learn from it. Uh Hart said as well, sometimes it'll be young fullbacks rely on their athleticism more than they do on, on positioning and, and, and that kind of ability as well. But uh, it's, it's clear that these two guys, especially Fernandez, are, are going to be difference makers in this league if, if they continue to play the way they have been. Uh, to the Friday night game now. Uh, Benedict, stick around because I know you work this game with us as well. So if you don't mind, we'll just keep you around yeah. for this one. Friday night game was a classic. Uh, and that's, uh, uh, you know, a snoring game in the first half, a real <laughs> dull one, uh, but a delightful second half uh, that just lit up. 
at York Lions Stadium. And we'll go straight to the second half as Brian Wright put the team ahead in the 51st minute. Brilliant move in the, in the in, by Ali Bassett in the first place to play a ball into Zach Verhoeven. That was a fantastic move uh, that Brian Wright uh, uh, finished. Look at this for a pass. And then opening up, you can just see narrowly played on side and a great cross, a great ball, a cross shot with his left foot. Let's put it up 1 0. That's a pass from Bassett. I thought it was a fantastic move. A little bit against the run of play and a credit to Ottawa, who lost two players by that point through injury. Uh, Di Rosario won a penalty, and then the man himself stepped up, and I thought this was fantastic to see the young player step up and take the ball, want the ball, uh, and beat former York goalkeeper Nate Ingham to make it 1-1. Uh, Di Rosario scored in three straight games now. By the way, if he scores in his next game, he will tie Tristan Borges' record to scoring in four straight Canadian Premier League games dating back to May of 2019. That's where we're at with Di Rosario. It looked like Abzi's error had cost the game for York as Bolu Tabla scored his first Canadian Premier League goal in the 85th minute. And Atletico Ottawa had a great away fan base at that point. And the place went nuts. Let me tell you, I was down there. And there was a bit of rivalry going on between the two sets of fans. Bolu Tabla went there. But in the end, the Atletico Ottawa fans were starting to be shushed by York as a little controversial moment here. Dom Zator scores the goal. And in the end, the tied game 2-2. Probably, Mitchell, fitting that this game ended in a tie. Uh, there was lots of talking points. Uh, controversial decision there, whether it was a foul. Cedric Toussaint got a red. That seemed like a controversial call as well, Mitch. But as I said, um, both coaches probably happy that neither lost at the end of this one after a crazy second half. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I think maybe if, if you look at some of the underlying numbers, York a little bit more hard done by. But um, I, I think in, in talking to a number of coaches now, uh, Atletico is starting to to get that reputation as you know Tommy Tommy Wilden Jr. even said in his press conference like they're they're an Atletico side like they're part of the Atletico family they have that <laughs> defensive resiliency and and we saw that in that in this match and um, I thought McDonald Meba in particular was tremendous um, mm -hmm. in terms of leading that back line McKendry in the midfield there was some really really solid performances from from Ottawa that I yeah probably des deserve the point in the end and. I mean, yeah, just a wild one. There was, it seemed, it seemed to have the storybook moment with right with Blue Tabla scoring that 80th minute goal, and and then, but it wasn't to be. Yeah, it wasn't to be uh, a difficult one to analyze. I'm sure when you're going to win two one, you think, and then you can see the 95th minute game uh, goal to cost you two points. Uh, but here are the thoughts of Atletico boss uh, Ottawa boss Carlos Gonzalez after this one. We had to do some changes. Uh, also, the other team lose one player with an injury. This made a little bit that uh, everything was like very cold, you know, for the players. We did, we started to to realize that we wanted to win the game more on the second half. So I think first half was a weird first half, weird 45 minutes. So we started to play like a game of, of 45 minutes in the second half when both of the, the teams started to show what they wanted to do. I got to share a little story. I got a text message. I'm not going to say it's from, but a York fan messaged me saying, how come York is last again on the newsroom show live today? Uh, that's just because we're going backwards and they play Friday night, but it's a little match of the day thoughts here. Like which team is going to be last? Uh, my promise to you, the newsroom crowd, we will not make York's last game uh, next week. A uh, little joke there. They thought that we maybe get to Valor versus Forge, even though we didn't play before York today. Uh, so let's give York some credit. Uh, Benedict, I want to talk about two plays in particular. I'm going to get to one in a second, but let's talk about Di Rosario. Now, this player has scored three goals in three games. We alluded to he could have been made it four from he could make it four from four next week and tie Tristan Borges' CPL record. 
It wasn't a game for strikers uh, a lot, certainly in the first half. Never dropped his head, never lost his cool, no bad attitude, great body language. Then eventually takes advantage of the mistake by Bassett, wins the penalty, wants the ball right away, steps up and strikes a ball like that after scoring two goals already outside the box. Your thoughts on the maturation of this young player, Di Rosario, who obviously comes with a lot of eyes on him because of his name, but is making his own name at the moment. Yeah, he's such, you said he's such a mature player. He's so he works so hard on and off the ball. He he wanted he wants to make things happen. Like you said, he's confident in his ability as well. Like he you said he wanted to grab the penalty straight away. He he he's a player that's gonna give the other like York have a lot of good strikers, right? He's gonna give them all a run for their money. Like yep. well, right in Austin Ricci coming off the bench in this one. Um, which is kind of a scary spot if you're another team as well, if you can bring these guys off the bench. And but also just goes to show how impressive Di Rosario has been, right? Playing uh, to keep those guys off the pitch, He's, he he deserves it as well. He's been good. You said three goals in three games now, and uh, yeah, again, he's, his his famous dad was was in the stands, but uh, there's only one Di Rosario, which is the star of the show in this one, that's for sure. There's only one Di Rosario. There you go. Uh, and you mentioned it, Mitchell. They put they had all three of them on the pitch at the end. Like they've got a an unbelievable amount of attacking talent. You know, we haven't even seen Hernandez yet because he's been suspended. Petrasso's hurt. You know, they you know they they had all three. Ricci. Right, who I thought had really quick feet. And as soon as he came on, there was that one moment they led, he almost scored a goal straight away with his combination play with Di Rosario. Uh, and Di Rosario, all three on at the same time. Martin Nash talked after the game, Mitchell, that there's places you can play them across the line because Austin Ricci can play out wide, Di Rosario and Wright can switch as well. So that, they're three players that if you're playing against them, and you talked about how good Niba was for, Madrid, for Atletico Madrid, or if you're, if you're Nate Ingham, you're aware that these guys can shoot at any moment. They're very direct. Yeah, and that makes it so difficult to defend them as well because at any moment, you know, they're comfortable in multiple positions across that front line. So right. I think there's going to be an absolute nightmare for teams playing against York United this season, not knowing how to prepare for that front unit at all. And, you know, it's it's going to be fun to watch because I think all of these guys are, are players that, uh, you know, are, are going to be tough to, to pick. Again, that too, it's going to be a tough pick for Martin Nash, but De Rosario is making it pretty easy to, to put him in the lineup right now. Irizario is. You can't keep him out. There's no doubt about yeah. it. But Lowell Wright just brings a different presence. Uh, and as I said, Ricci's been signed to play. Uh, these guys are going to get minutes, uh, significant minutes. Uh, remember this. You know, Ricci brings the experience. Irizario is a young player and cannot play every game. Lowell Wright is a young player but cannot play every game. We'll have under 20 commitments this year, we think, with Canada. Um, so I think the Austin Ricci signing is a tremendous signing for depth and also to give them the ability to go on to another level. At the end of the day, this York team are far, far better defensively than last year. Superior. The eye test tells you that. The stats tell you that. They press teams. are difficult to break down. Uh, and in close games, they're going to need goal scorers. They're going to need difference makers. And they've got three of them. Uh, so I think they've got a lot to like about them. Um, but I do want to talk about one of the York players. But before we get to him, here are the thoughts after this one from their head coach. Here's Martin Nash. Well, I mean, I don't want to speak about the past too much you know we're now trying to build a team that wants to win and will do anything to win fight tooth and nail and uh showed a great character to to fight to the end there and um to get back in the game so it's nice to see you always want a team that'll just fight to the bitter end and uh, they gave everything he had today and just uh fell short in a few little things he'll be disappointed as was dom's tour after the game but they still you know, they've won, you know, they're unbeaten in three. You know, they, they, they picked up a point and you continue to move on. Here's the other play I want to guy, I want to ask you guys about. Didi and Abzi. Now, Abzi, at times on Friday night, 
was unplayable. At times on Friday night, it looked like he's playing at a different level than everybody else on the pitch. At times on Friday night, you think this is comfortably a regular MLS player playing in the CPL. Comfortably. And then, and you guys know where I'm going with this, <laughs> then is guilty of, you know, there's no, there's no other way to describe it, a very lazy uh, left, you know, left foot peg comes out, a back back pass, and at least what could have cost them the entire game in the end, they, they, they got out of this one. Mitch, what's your thoughts on that? Do we have to think that you, that comes with it? Sometimes when you're playing that level, it's going to be a little bit extravagant and sometimes he's going to feel like that. Or do you think that's the next level? If you can just knuckle down, wipe that away, this is a player that's going to follow Caden Chung, Lucas McNaughton and others to the pathway of MLS and be a regular. Yeah, I think that is incredibly important is is eliminating those errors from your game because as a defender, you know, you can have a a tremendous match and do all those things you said, beating guys down the wing, um being being an incredible danger in attack, but at the end of the day, um and in modern football, I don't think we see this nearly enough like the players who are committed to defensive football first and you need those players um to to eliminate those errors from their game and think about that and not you know, not have those moments of, of lapse like that. So, yeah, I do think that's something that Absy certainly needs to work on if he's going to t- take that step to the next level. But I think the the toolkit is there, and I, I think that that's something that can be eliminated. Um, it just obviously will take, you know, some some concentration and, and making sure that, uh, you know, he's, he's checked on at all moments during the game. Fullbacks is a theme in this show. Benedict, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think it's... it's... It ultimately it was one error in an 90 minute match, but like you said, it could, it could have been a very costly one. But um, like I, th- I think DD Nabzi probably starts on all three Canadian MLS teams at the moment if, he, if he's on one of them. And uh, I think he's definitely, as you mentioned, good enough to play at that level and, and follow those other CPL players you mentioned. Um, like you said, some, sometimes he goes from 100 to zero in that one that one moment of, of just sort of switching off for a second. And it, it mixed as well. If he eliminates that, I think you know, the sky's the limit for him. I do think he's got a superior coach uh, that he can actually help him with. I think Nash will. Nash is the kind of player already we've seen him make adjustments, right? You know, J- Jordan Wilson came off. They think, think he was playing very well. At that point, he made an adjustment. He's taken uh, Isaiah Johnson out of that base of midfield and playing him a little bit higher because he wants him to have that license and maybe doesn't necessarily think he can cover ground as much already. He's challenging players. They've got a lot of depth there already. Uh, so I think Nash will take him to another level, and, I, and we should all be excited by that. As again, Abzi almost a shoe in for the team of the week uh, every week. He's that, he's that good at left back, but just that that little bit of a mistake there just was something I wanted to bring up with you guys. Fascinating stuff. Um, last reaction. Uh, we'll go back to York Lions Stadium on Friday night. Here are the thoughts of the man who scored the goal in the 94th minute. Here's Dom Zittle. Uh Yeah, I mean, we're frustrated. I think we overall dominated the game. Uh, I just think we played a bit slow. Um, we need to be a little bit quicker in the final third. We need to get more shots on target. I think we are lacking that. We weren't getting too many chances. And you can see they're sitting back there waiting for their one chance. Um, and it's hoping that we make a mistake. And to be honest, they had, what, two, two chances and they finished both of them. So uh, we just got to clean things up. Uh, it's frustrating in the end because I think we deserved uh, – more than what we just got. The league table after week four, uh, Pacifica played five games. They are top with 10 points from five. Atletico Ottawa, seven points from four. Halifax are third. Halifax Wanderers on six points from four. York United are in the playoff spot with five points from four. Following that, Valor are fifth. Of course, they had the week off. 
uh, four points from three, much like Forge, four points from three as well. Cavalry, four points from four in seventh. And Edmonton, three points from five. Quick, a couple of quick-fire questions for you guys. Um, out of those, anybody surprise you? Who is the most surprising so far in that position of those league tables so far, one to eight? It's very early to look, but uh, overriding emotional thoughts. Benedict, who's, your, who's the team that you thought maybe many people didn't think they would be there this early in the season? Uh, I might say Valor. I think maybe they played a little bit better than they than they – in the table maybe shows they have been. Uh, we saw what they can do against Ottawa, and I think, uh, again, I think they might be a bit higher up the table when, when the season's all said and done. Mitchell? Yeah, I'll go with Valor's opponent in that match, and obviously that that being their their tough moment, but Ottawa's put points on the board early on in this season, and, you know, like I said, there's there's an identity forming there, and, and they've, looked, uh, they've looked more cohesive, I think, than last season. Fabulous. Uh, schedules next week as follows. Another Friday night clash at York Lions. And this is a fantastic game, by the way. York United against Forge. A little earlier than normal. 7 o'clock kickoff. And, and for my York United friends, we will not do that last next week on the newsroom schedule. Uh, a doubleheader on Friday. Edmonton against Cavalry in the Al Clasico uh, from Clark Field on Friday night. And then Saturday, we have two games as well. Uh, Valor take on Halifax Wanderers from IG Field in, in their home opener at 3 o'clock Eastern time. And followed by Atletico Ottawa against Pacific at TD Place. That is a fantastic game as well. Lots of excitement on that. And of course, those games are taking place Friday and Saturday because we have Canadian Championship. That's right. The Canadian Championship returns midweek after that. Five games. We've got MLS clubs uh, against uh, CPL clubs. We've got CPL clubs against League One clubs. It's going to be a brilliant and we'll preview that as well next Monday as we recap the CPL games and preview the Canadian Championship as well. Uh, thank you, Mitch. Thank you, Benedict. Thanks to Tommy Wilden Jr. And of course, Alex, for joining us. Charlie, and thank you for enjoying your much well-deserved vacation. Uh, we'll see you when you get back. Uh, Mitchell, thanks again, my man. You enjoyed this? Yeah, absolutely. Great to, great to obviously be on, make my debut. And yeah, no, awesome. So. Great, great, great to have you on. Thanks to everyone for the comments. We really appreciate those. Shout out to BC Lion, to MMXD, to uh, Offside Ollie, BC Lion, Alan um foot soldiers and many others who joined us live and if you missed any of the show a reminder you can listen to the podcast later on your favorite podcast stream and of course watch on youtube this week on the canadian premier league uh, website we'll have tons of features as well and of course you can read about all our recaps and reviews of the games until next week on monday as we recap the week and get ready for the canadian championship have a great week everyone enjoy the games wherever you're watching them god bless and we'll see you soon